Broadcasting live from Raiden's Temple, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly. I'm one of your other hosts, Garrett Strother. Hadouken, Ricardo. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. Well, today for our main segment, if you couldn't tell from that, Hadouken <laughs> is the brand new Mortal Kombat movie that just came out. You know, I'm sure we got plenty to say, or maybe not, about this movie. But uh, before we get there, we gotta we gotta jump into a little bit of news first. Like all Disney, all the time. Starting off with <laughs> Dear White People director Justin Simeon is to helm a new Haunted Mansion movie for Disney. So that says to me that the Guillermo del Toro Haunted Mansion movie is dead, which is a shame because that man loves him some Haunted Mansion. But I'm excited to see what Justin Simeon, talented young filmmaker, can do with the property. So what you're saying to me is Eddie Murphy's back. Ah, uh, you beat back, me to hey, it? <laughs> don't even worry about it. Oh, wait, is he really? I was going to make a joke, but... I... No, 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 oh, no, 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 man. No. Oh, you got <laughs> no. my hopes up. That ending of that first one where the singing statue guys come with them, I was like, oh, those guys are going to come back. It's going to be great. I'm disappointed. Have we all seen Dear White People? I've seen it. I've only seen... I've seen some of the show. I've not seen the movie. Yeah, I've seen the first season of the show. I've only seen the movie. And I remember enjoying it. It's well directed. I like how the stories interconnect. I like the idea of a haunted mansion movie. So let's see where this goes. I'm into it. Kind of how Pirates of the Caribbean is its own iconic thing. Maybe the haunted mansion will finally come into its own after the uh, false start with Eddie Murphy. Well, this is also probably going to fall into presumably the Disney Park Cinematic Universe with Jungle Cruise and the Pirates reboot. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about all that. In other Disney news, they are developing a Jim Henson biopic called Muppet Man. Yeah. I mean, if and... everyone's not going to be played by Muppets, I'm not I'm not doing and it. Unless they get, like, Brian Henson to do a really, like, heartfelt Muppet film tribute to his father, I don't see... There's not a lot of conflict that would be, like, interesting for a film, I don't think, in Jim Henson's life. Unless they do it, like, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood style, where it's his work inspiring others, I just... You would have I to, know. man, because like you said, Jim Henson's life, it's interesting, but for a movie, there, yeah, like you said, there's not a lot of conflict in a man was friendly, and he and his friends put on a puppet show, <laughs> and everything was pretty good for a while, until it wasn't. I mean, they could do it, like, Wilfred style, where, he, like, he's the only Muppet, and everybody doesn't talk about it, or the opposite, where he's the only human, and they don't talk about it. Play around a little more, but, like, imaginative, almost like the Rocket Man method. That could be interesting. I'm having a hard time coming up with anybody who I could see playing Jim Henson. I think, I think Matthew Modine could have done it 20 years ago, and I think maybe Adam Driver. But the problem I'm running into is, like... Sure, you can have whoever play Jim Henson, but, like, are they going to do Kermit? Are you going to get, like, stock footage for Kermit? Are you gonna, how's that going to work? Yeah, that is that is the question. Disney's doing it, so they're not going to spare any expense for a project like this, so I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, obviously we don't know, like, anything about what it's going to be like or who's going to be in it or anything like that, but I'm going to be interested to see what we, we get out of it. I hope this means that for now the Muppet attraction at Disney is safe. I hope that they don't take it out of the parks because that that's actually the last thing that Jim Henson directed before he died. That's right. Oh, man. That would be utterly devastating if they took that out then. Up next, we've got, like, a bunch of Marvel news. First off, we had the first teaser trailer for 
Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. The only reason I knew this trailer came out was because I kept seeing a bunch of, like, tweets and memes dunking on my man Iron Fist about, like, <laughs> see, like this is what we wanted, Iron Fist. Like, we, this is why no one likes you. And granted, the trailer was awesome, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Come on, man. Iron, Iron Fist is okay. Uh, this trailer looked awesome, though. I mean... We're getting some real sick kung fu set pieces that I'm I'm looking forward to. The Mandarin is gonna be in this again. I yeah. Like the real like is there a different Mandarin or is it Ben Kingsley? This is no, it's not Ben Kingsley. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind then. The guy is... that's in all the trailers. Are you sure that's not just another like actor or something? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be another reveal. We're getting He's the English real too. deal finally. <laughs> That's pretty killer. I remember people were kind of disappointed with Iron Man 3 when they found out it was a bait and switch, so... Well, didn't you crack open your Thor 2 DVD to watch the Marvel one-shot where they reveal <laughs> that the real Mandarin is still out there, Seamus? Absolutely not, but I, I honestly <laughs> am super happy that exists. This trailer, yeah, I think the color looks amazing, and I looked up who shot it. It's Bill Pope who did, you know, Scott Pilgrim and Spider-Man 2. Oh, perfect sense then. Yeah, absolutely vibrant. That Skyfall fight they had in there with the purple backdrop. Yes, very, very Skyfall. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that seems really reminiscent of other movies. You've got Aquafina's driving the bus like it's speed. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Got, um, oh, yeah, Aquafina is here. I, I almost forgot. She's the best. Some kind of big fight scene. It's got tigers, but it looks suspiciously like the big CGI rhino fight from the end of Black Panther to me. <laughs> it's cool Shang-Chi's not, like, racist anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty nice. Uh, yeah, what are you talking about again? Did I miss that? Shang-Chi's comic history is full of a lot of East Asian stereotypes. Oh, my man's literal dad was Fu Manchu. That's not uh, a joke. Yeah, <laughs> bro, that's pretty, that's rough. Well, you know, they cleaned it up, it looks like. I didn't see any of that in that trailer, so. From this trailer, I feel like Shang-Chi would have a very interesting team-up with, like, Doctor Strange. I don't know if he would fit right in with the Avengers crew, but their kind of like esoteric magic world seems like they would fit yeah. well together. Doctor Strange does that thing in Infinity War where he makes a million of himself and that Shang-Chi can do oh, that. Oh yeah, think. that's right. Oh uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, that's going to be the big climactic finisher move, I'm sure. Next up on the news, we have another layer to this uh, Sony Netflix deal. It's the Sony well, Netflix Disney deal. Yeah, it's, it's more. Even though Netflix technically isn't a piece of this news, it like impacts this news because select Sony properties will start being available on Disney+, Plus, but that does not contradict the fact that new Sony releases will go immediately to Netflix. So after a certain amount of time, they could theoretically go to Disney+, Plus. but Netflix has dibs on new releases. I'm assuming mostly we're looking at, like, Spider-Man stuff going to Disney+, Plus, especially on the heels of, presumably, Multiverse of Madness. More pieces of the future of direct streaming. Exclusivity stuff is just getting weirder and weirder. One last piece of Marvel news, though, is that Amelia Clark is joining Olivia Coleman, Ben Mendelsohn, uh, Sam Jackson in the Secret Invasion Disney Plus series. I mean, no word on who she's playing, but I, I like Amelia Clark. I think she gets on a bad rap for Game of Thrones, I think. That wasn't her fault. She she did the character she was written. You know, she was good in the early seasons regardless, and I, I like her work 
in general outside of that. So I can only imagine she's going to be some kind of scroll. She's a scroll. Yeah, right? You can, 100%. Right? I, she's a scroll. I saw like a morphed image of like her face with scroll face and it looked like you know looked like it would work pretty well these shows they're knocking it out of the park we'll get to that later but like it's satisfying to see these heavy hitters in these projects because i just want to keep them coming basically and then we've got a little bit of disney news technically because how i much your mother sequel series starring hillary duff has been ordered at hulu which is of course owned by disney which is why it's kind of disney news either i met your father oh see how i met your father i would even like that as a sequel series maybe did did either of you go through the gamut of that show oh is it really yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay then. Okay. But, you know, back to my other question. That's, that's very interesting. Did either of you guys watch that show? Like, all the way through? Oh, yeah. No. I remember loving that show until the last season, and then completely not even watching the last season because I hated Ted Mosby so much. Everybody talks about that as one of the worst finales of all time. Yeah, I, I just read about what happened and, and I rolled my eyes and moved on. I mean, I don't want to completely relitigate How I Met Your Mother, which this is a tenuous <laughs> conversation. But they had an idea that would have been a cute premise for a three-season show. And it became like a nine-season show or whatever. And so all of that character investment, all of that character development that you were interested in, those characters, they grew beyond what the initial... They obviously created the show with the ending in mind. And then did the ending. It just didn't work because you were just angry. Yeah. I think that format, though, could could be adapted into a modern series really well. Ricardo, I know this isn't a super shining endorsement for this show, but uh, <laughs> does this Hillary Duff sequel series make you want to watch it at all? I mean, as somebody who doesn't have a history with this show, seeing it brought back and like hearing us speak on it the way we are, what, what are you thinking here? I guess that could work with just its own thing. I don't really care i'm not gonna go watch how i met your mother i probably won't watch this (laughs) yeah fair enough disney gotta make it good what really matters here is quibi i didn't realize that roku was the one who ended up with all the quibi ip (laughs) roku's getting into original streaming content and some of the stuff that they're going to be coming out with is the Quibi IP they bought would Quibi shut down. This is the best. I thought I missed my chance, but I'll get to <laughs> I'll get to relive everything. You get to watch you, Chrissy's Court. Um, Seamus, do you want to watch a show shot and formatted for an iPhone where Anna Kendrick and the sex doll have a road trip on oh your television? Oh my god, I barely thought about how it's gonna look insane on a television. Well, they did both, didn't they? It's vertical and horizontal. Did, oh, no, that was their whole big selling point, Zig. You could watch it like a normal person and God intended. Or you could turn <laughs> your phone vertical. Oh, that is so weird. I hope there's a vertical viewing mode for the TV where it just, like, cuts off huge black boxes <laughs> on, like, 90% of the screen. Well, speaking of zombies oh, yeah. on outdated media formats, <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm, I'm very excited about this. The PS3 and PS Vita stores are not closing this summer as originally intended. PlayStation Portable is still going, but PlayStation <laughs> Vita and PS3, they are safe. Yeah, I, I, I have a PS Vita, and... It's never, ever been supported by Sony, so this was, like, my, like, well, this is finally <laughs> it. This is just a paperweight now kind of moment, but it's living on. It's it's here to stay. RIP to the, you know, P- regular PSP store, but you can buy PSP games on the PS Vita store, so 
I jumped the gun because I thought, you know, the store is going away. So I bought all four Sly Cooper games and I got them on my <laughs> PS3 right now. Oh, man, I was just about to go on like a Vita spree for sure. But I was very close to buying DuckTales the other day. The thing about this is that I'm going to forget about it. I'm going to keep playing my, you know, contemporary supported PlayStation. Then in two years, they're going to be like, oh, we're actually closing the PS3 store now. And I'm going to be like, God, my DuckTales. God, my DuckTales. <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen, truly. As far as I know, this decision to reverse it actually did come from the outcry of people who are still using the systems. Like, it wasn't just a random decision. They, like, saw how people were banding behind their, you know, super outdated systems. And, uh, like you said, Garrett, it's only going to be for maybe a couple more years max. But, you know, it's good. I, there's some there's some really good stuff still on the Vita and the PS3, so. Speaking of video games... How do you guys feel about video game movies? Not good, too bad, because we're talking Mortal Kombat. Finish you! Fade out on that, it'll be all good. It is, it is the new, it's the new Mortal Kombat movie, coming exclusively to HBO Max, but also to movie theaters. What'd you guys think? Everything that I saw in this movie this morning, I was judging against the 1995 Mortal Kombat movie, which is just like the most insane thing yeah. ever. Uh, so, you know, I didn't hate it. It won my rewatchability threshold of at least three stars, I think. It wasn't the best thing I've ever seen, but I definitely enjoyed all of the references that I got, that's for sure. Ricardo, what about you? Played a couple of the games. I knew nothing about the lore. Or most of people's names. I like this. <laughs> and I had I had fun. I enjoyed myself. The references I did get every so often, I would just be like, oh god, he did the thing. It's very simple. It's not like a great movie. But I had fun. Yeah, right, right on. Garrett, what about you, man? I don't understand. Sure, it had all the Mortal Kombat characters, but... I just don't understand, like, really what they were going for here. This movie does not deliver on the promise of its opening. I'll tell you that right now. Because I think the <laughs> opening is full of, like, really interesting... It establishes stakes really well, and characters really well, and it has an impact, and the violence is jarring, and then the rest of this movie is just kind of like, whatever. And I'll say this, we'll talk about this for spoilers, but when we got to the end of the movie, I was like, oh, here we go, it's time for the third act. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I... Nope. Oh, they pulled a sneaky on you, Garrett. <laughs> I'm judging it based on what the movie has asked me to judge it on, which is the fact that it's a Mortal Kombat game. And, I mean, we'll get into this as spoilers, but, I mean, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler. It's a Mortal Kombat in this yeah, movie. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. Oh, man. I think that my history with this franchise and the fact that I get that little shot of serotonin when I recognize a reference in a movie that I'm watching is why I give it that like better than mediocre review in my mind but it felt like it wanted us to already want it to be the first in like a trilogy or a saga when I wanted just a movie for now you know I want I want to dip my toes in <laughs> they burned us the last time they tried Mortal Kombat franchise and yeah that's the thing is that obviously they want this to be the opening of like cinematic universe but they don't give me anything to make me invest enough to be interested oh, yeah. at all. If you didn't already know who some of these people are, like, I have a general idea who people are. But if you had, like, nothing, you would not care at all. They, this movie helps you with nothing. <laughs> truly, truly. I would love to jump into it, because it really is a 
kind of a jump around movie, if you ask me. I would say if you're just kind of trying to throw on something new and something semi-engaging, watch uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. But then if it's after the 30th, <laughs> then watch this movie until the 29th. Or the twenty third, or whatever it, it ends on. Why don't we just get into the get into the gory details, huh? I want to talk about why there's no Mortal Kombat. Yeah, the... <laughs> they're hyping it up the whole movie. It's not like they don't mention Mortal Kombat till the end. The entire movie is spent training for Mortal Kombat. They make a big deal out of how soon Mortal Kombat <laughs> is, and then Raiden's like, "Oh, it's time for Mortal Kombat." And then the movie ends. Yeah, 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 yeah. They set up this whole thing where there's a force field around the temple they're training in. The bad guys try to break in and they put up this force field. It's like, okay, we're going to have training until it's like the official showdown. And then it's just like another ambush again. The first time they get locked out of the force field, there are a couple of moments where different characters look through the force field at one another. And so you see Kano look at that lady with the with the weird <laughs> yeah, mouth. Yeah. And you, and you see Sonya Blade looking at whoever else is over there. I don't even remember. And you're like, oh, so those are the people that they're going to they're gonna fight later because that's how movies work. Ah, it's no. just a, a misdirect. Kano never freaking <laughs> shuts up. As far as setting up for a franchise goes, they killed him. I don't want to blow your guys' minds right now, but usually Kano has a robot eye and a robot face, so maybe he gets uh, the old Jax treatment and comes back next movie with more Australian quips. I understand the three-act structure. I understand that the end of the second act technically is Cole coming back through the portal and being like, okay, here's our plan. We're going to go fight him one-on-one and we're going to go fight the the baby guy from from Mad Max (laughs) and we're going to go, you know, and she's going to go, but... Where is Mortal Kombat in this movie? Yeah, they could have just, like... <laughs> That's just what it keeps coming back to. Right? There's just no Mortal Kombat in the Mortal Kombat movie. They could have movie. made that last, like, montage of fights just them getting to the Mortal Kombat and, like, having sanctioned one-on-one fights to, like, determine it, but they decided to just make it super unofficial and weird. Oh, well, they want us to see the sequel that's coming only to HBO Max 2023. Well, now I don't <laughs> right? want to. Tease us well, I mean, I'm getting fully ahead of myself here, but the tease right at the end, you guys caught what they were going for, right? Jonathan Cage. But you... Yeah. Did you guys not see what the poster of him looked like? No. Maybe this is me reading into it, like, super far, but I watched it with my girlfriend this morning, and she said the exact same thing. He's got his hands on his waistband, his sunglasses in his other hand. That You don't see his face on the poster, but it looks exactly like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, which would be perfect casting for a Johnny Cage type. I think if they had the rock lined up, we would have seen the rock's face in that poster. I'm thinking, I was, I mean, it was obvious enough to me where I was like, oh, that's totally them hyping up for a sequel where they have Dwayne Johnson already. Because that's also the perfect analog of, like, fighter turned Hollywood in real life is Dwayne Johnson, so. And my whole problem is, I think the first ten minutes of this movie are actually really solid. Like, learning about Scorpion and Sub-Zero's blood feud and everything, and then they don't give me that i think pretty solid story that they set up like it's technically continued because cole is like his descendant of his daughter or whatever but it doesn't really pick back up until a out of nowhere scorpion (laughs) reappearance in the last 10 minutes yeah i really spent the whole movie thinking cole was just gonna be like inheriting the mantle of the scorpion like they gave him the knife me too i thought he was just gonna be new scorpion 
And I was like, that's great. That makes sense. But they rob... what? They turn him in, they give him some armor, <laughs> and they give him a couple stabby things, but like... Yeah, man. You know, I, I liked some of the stuff. There was the fight with Kano, where it's like the button mashing joke, where he keeps using the same move over and over. I thought that was fun. How about the fact that, that Scorpion is a several hundred year old Chinese man who doesn't speak any English and has been burning in hell for centuries, but when he does come back from hell, the first thing he says is, get over here in English, and then says <laughs> nothing else in English. And Cole, uh, <laughs> I thought that... That dude and all the armor on the evil side. I thought he was going to be Cyrax, and I was super pumped, but it was just that other guy whose name I don't remember. Cyrax, for if you don't know, is like he's just like a Terminator robot who's just in the competition. I can't remember if it's like a cyborg or if it's just a straight up robot, but it is very fun. How does this guy that clearly used to run guns with Kano know about the whole Mortal Kombat deal, and why does he have all this armor, and why does Kano (laughs) recognize him with all the armor, and... I would also like to know. That's what they want, Ricardo. That's what they want, that curiosity for the sequel. It would have been one thing if I was invested in the characters or the action, but I was not. You guys want to talk Um, just straight violence? Like, there's some pretty great violence in here. Here's what the secret is, boys. Technically, like, the content that is being shown on screen is hyper-violent, but it's not handled in a way that makes you feel the violence. I don't know why we keep going back to this movie. I would like you to think about any of the scenes in this movie and how intense the violence is versus the intensity of the attic scene from over yeah i also will point out that a big difference there is the uh noticeability of how cgi the blood is in my opinion like i feel like a lot of that i was like this is just straight from the video game Mm -hmm. at this point so that that took me out of it a little bit granted i enjoyed watching the hat buzzsaw bisection like, I thought that was lovely. Uh, I think it was in that sneak peek or the trailer where Sub-Zero turns Scorpion's blood into a knife to stab him with. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> that was really cool. But that was also something where it's not... Yeah, I, it's not the I guess it's just the concept. That you're reacting to, <laughs> yeah. as it's the concept. Yeah, well, you know, maybe they'll hit it on the next go-around. I have a feeling that this movie is going to do pretty well, especially since it's like... For a video game movie, it's not as bad as the video game movie realm could take it to. So, the last thing I really want to say is that uh, a lot of the cool stuff that they were setting up in the beginning feels a lot like it was inspired by... I think it was in like 2010 or 2011, there was this Mortal Kombat mini web series that was on YouTube. I don't even remember who produced it, but you know, a lot of that flashback stuff to... Sub-Zero and Scorpion and their families is in that, you know, a lot of interesting takes about the modern view of what all this uh, Mortal Kombat stuff is probably taken from there. If anything, I would recommend watching that before this movie even, but I think I just, I just wanted to shout that out as a good option if you're, you know, stuck between this new one or the old ones or something else. There's, there's a good option there. Alright, but now I think it's time to move on to our pop culture reference of the episode, which is actually talking about the legacy of Mortal Kombat. For this week's pop culture reference, we are actually diving into some of the iconic finishing moves of the original Mortal Kombat games and kind of what they mean in conjunction with the games themselves and kind of the time period surrounding them when they were released. Uh, The original Mortal Kombat, of course, is known or was known, it was 1993, I believe, was the original. 
and it was known for its fatality finishing moves that were just, you know, at the time, more graphic and, like, hyper-violent than any other video game on the market. For as choppy and low resolution as the character models seemed to be, they were pulling spines out of bodies, knocking people's heads off, cutting them in half, disemboweling them. Like, it was pretty gruesome stuff for, you know, 1993. This ended up bringing about the rise of the ESRB rating system that was put in place so that parental guidance could be used in graphic content like a lot of what Mortal Kombat was known for. It was a whole moral panic about video game violence, and Mortal Kombat was kind of the poster child for that violence. Because, I mean, there were other games like like Night Trap and, and Doom all kind of worked together and led to the 1993 congressional hearings on violence in video games that ultimately created the Entertainment Software Ratings Board, which is still how we get our video game ratings today. Yeah, and uh, actually in response to the creation of that ESRB and the backlash from the fatalities themselves, the next installment in Mortal Kombat 2, they introduced a alternative to fatalities, which would be friendship finisher moves. It, it was kind of a way to mock the outcry in a way, kind of like show them that they could get as wholesome as a finisher move being like giving somebody a birthday present or Johnny Cage writing them an autograph headshot. You know, it was definitely just kind of a goofy way to poke back at all the controversy. And then even further through Mortal Kombat 3, I believe, continue to do such wacky stuff just for fun at that point like babality where opponents would turn each other into just infants and uh you know end the round end the game with a little baby version of any any of the characters it's a pretty fascinating little corner of video game history that like really i mean i think it would have happened no matter what probably but the way that mortal Kombat is pretty directly responsible for the creation of the esrb and the the fact that they responded yeah. so directly to it. At this point, I, I regard it as a very good thing, considering Nintendo's response to the original Mortal Kombat's controversy was to completely censor the the blood and the gore that came along with the original game. And, you know, I guess the alternative to having this regulated uh, rating system that can categorize these adult things, it would have turned to something more like specific gaming companies just you know demanding censored versions of things so weird also fun fact the friendship finishers are in the newest mortal kombat mortal kombat 11 I, i'm not sure why they brought that back uh, i think the babalities might be in there too now it's time to move on to pop quiz pop quiz all right folks the scores as they stand seamus is only one point away from tying it up with Ricardo. Ricardo's at 9, Seamus is at 8. Who will be victorious? I don't know, but it'll sure be interesting to find out. Seamus won last week, which means it's Ricardo's turn to pick the category. Ricardo, your options are Mortal Kombat or How I Met Your Father. Sure, How All I right. Met Your Father. Let's see how we do yeah. on this okay. one. Okay, you guys know the rules, but just in case you forgot, the first one of you to give me the correct answer wins. If you say it at the exact same time, or neither of you is able to get it, we move on to our other category as the tiebreaker question. But for now, here goes How I Met Your Father. The concept of How I Met Your Father is a concept that originated with How I Met Your Dad, 
a 2014 pilot that would have starred what acclaimed director in the lead role? Director? How I Met Your Dad. Uh, Ron Howard. Elizabeth Banks. Nope. It is Greta Gerwig. Really? No kidding. That, I would have never guessed that. Was it a a sitcom, huh? It was a spinoff of How I Met Your Mother. That was How I Met Your Father. How I Met Your Dad. Dad. Weird, okay. Meg Ryan was the narrator. Oh, no kidding. You want to hit us with that tiebreaker Mortal Kombat question? Hopefully I can snatch this. Finish you! (laughs) Round two, fight! The original 1995 Mortal Kombat film was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who held the what other video game film Resident Evil. Wow. Ricardo got the points. We literally talked about this before, Garrett. How did I let that that slip? Alas, poor Seamus. Ah, He's now two behind. My damn winning streak. Now let's move on to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Every bond you buy is a bullet in the barrel of your best guy's gun. Now it's time for Howling Commandos, where we break down the latest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Today we're talking about the series finale, so like 100% spoilers ahead. Do not, do not continue if you've not watched the entirety of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's good advice, because my first question to you gentlemen is, did we talk about how we totally knew who the power broker was on earlier episodes or was that just me yeah no we we, we discussed that that sharon was mad suspicious i knew it <laughs> yeah, in the definitely. beginning oh uh, yeah she angry she's rightfully angry i'll say that like she definitely got screwed the most out of everybody in that in that deal i mean they definitely hit us with that julia we drive his fake out last week yeah that was fun that's another thing we're finally getting u.s agent He's got his suit and everything. Yeah, it's black. I think that's cool. I'm sorry, we're getting so far ahead of ourselves. I jumped right to the end of everything, but... They waste no time showing off that sweet, sweet new Captain America fit for Sam to wear. Oh, man. Sam is Captain America. red wing and everything. Yeah, he's got two red wings again. He's actually Captain America. He says so himself. I think that is very important. So, I I think there are actually three red wings. Oh, there are three. I think I saw three, and my theory for that is it's red, white, and blue wing. Ah, oh, wow. I love it. <laughs> they I'm better be. I like that. Yeah. I watch with subtitles on, and I really appreciated this detail. He comes in, and you know he introduces himself as his new earned mantle of Captain America, and then there's a fight scene, and then when he gets hit, it says Captain America grunts. You know, like they're Amazing. they're giving it to yeah, him. Yeah, I caught that too. I love it. They're they're not shying away because of especially the stuff with Isaiah. This whole series and this episode, it's powerful stuff we get from Sam. I'm mad because last week I almost said on air, and I didn't. That definitely at the end of this episode, they're gonna say Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I have a gripe with that, if if I may. It should be Captain America and the White Wolf, no? Me too, right? dude. <laughs> I really he says the sentence, I am no longer the Winter Soldier. Like, that's not who I am anymore. Or just Captain America and Bucky. Yeah, sure! Yeah. What a good, smart, nuanced thing to come out of the Marvel Universe. Like, I am in shock. This show stuck the landing that... It was playing in a political realm that I never thought Marvel would dare go. Yeah. It is 
really good. It has interesting things to say about the current political climate. I mean, Sam's speech to the senators in front of the cameras at the end is is mm-hmm. so powerful. Ugh, heavier than I anticipated. I, I mean, I guess I knew this episode was going to be pretty heavy one way or another, but... The imagery of... You, you follow up like a La Piata shot with immediately Falcon, Wing, Angel, Captain America carrying the lifeless oh body of a martyr. Yeah. Oh yeah, Carly's dead. Spoilers, we told you so. <laughs> yeah, Carly's gone. Uh, so are the rest of the Flag Smashers who are on the way to the raft. They got blown up by Zemo's butler, which I thought was pretty <laughs> insane. such a good reveal. Yeah. Zemo, you <laughs> clever little bastard. Because legit, my first thought was like, oh, how is Zemo going to fare in the raft with a bunch of super soldiers? But nah, he, he had the contingency. I, I was a little bit surprised. I expected a little bit more Zemo. Yeah. In at least the post-credits or something. Me too. I gotta say, post-credits, um, pretty underwhelming. I agree. I thought that's we why get, I... We get Sharon. She's pardoned. She's yeah, back. She's working with somebody who's her partner that we don't know. Maybe uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus. We don't know. But, uh, you know, I stayed through the credits because I thought there was going to be more after that one, actually. Cause, I mean, yeah, I, me too. I almost thought it was an unspoken thing. Like, oh, she's going to get pardoned and use that as leverage for being the power broker. But... Here we are. They play that really well where it's completely believable that Sam and Bucky don't know she's the power broker. They walked a really fine line with that. Oh, yeah. Between Carly dying and the French guy from <laughs> Winter Soldier dying, he's finally <laughs> out of the game. No, <laughs> but Oh, he's, he's, he's served the MCU well. Yeah, anybody who knows is dead who's not a super bad guy, so. Does Zemo know? I don't think so, because they were yeah, working no, he together. Doesn't. And he would have shot her super fast if he knew. Let's talk about everything with Isaiah because what a what a way to go out. Oh yeah, that was that really did almost break me. I was getting misty when he walked him into the Smithsonian exhibit. You know, I also was also like, didn't he also tell him to straight up not tell anybody about him? But <laughs> then I was like, they probably he probably told him he was dead anyway. But. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. it's, I think he, it's more that he doesn't want to be in the public eye, yeah, yeah. that he doesn't want to be found. Yeah, I thought it was incredibly sweet and like a heartbreaking and beautiful way to kind of bridge that huge gap that Isaiah has been putting in between him and people associated with super soldiers and Captain America and, and that whole world. Yeah, man, that whole sequence, even when they're hanging out in like the backyard, they have that moment. Or you can tell it's really genuine, but he's like, you almost had me that time. Yeah. Oh, almost, I almost believed you. Oh, Isaiah. I think Sam stacks up well as a Captain America. I think he's hitting the right, you know, the beats. Oh, hell yeah. I was hoping that Sam would get that kind of, I'm Captain America and I'm here to make a speech moment. Like, you know, when he's over the loudspeaker in Winter Soldier. Right, yeah. There also was a huge missed opportunity, and maybe they weren't, they decided not to do this because it was too hokey, but he's having that fight with Carly, and she hits him real hard and knocks him to the ground, and she says, stay down, and he gets up, and I could have mouthed <laughs> the words along with them, I could do this all day, and he just goes like, yeah, and then they just like continue. And I'm like, <laughs> no, he says no. He says no, I mean, yeah, like, it's, I mean, it's a, a perfect place for an I could do this all day, but 
I think it's a very intentional. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking too. They didn't like he isn't Steve. He is Captain America. Sam Wilson. It's his own version. Goes. I really like that whole Carly fight. Real, I think because it brings out her character. I guess because while she's hitting him, she's like, "Come on, fight, fight back!" Just very desperate for him to fight back, just so she can justify it to herself why it's okay to murder people. Also, speaking of John Walker, he's not a total bastard in this episode. Like, what? Yeah, he saves some people. Who would have thought? He's like, he... I was fully ready for psycho John Walker, but he, like, <laughs> welds together that shield, and he puts Lamar's, like, badge in it, or whatever. I think that was... Battlestar. Oh, yeah. Okay, there it is. He, he welds his Battlestar, and there's a moment where he looks at it, and I'm like, oh, here we go. He's gonna go full, like, Red Skull Berserk, but it, like, brought him back. It, like, made him a hero again and a bit redeemable when I thought he was done for, truly. He still is the thumb of Julian <laughs> Dreyfus. Oh, but what is even more dangerous than just a crazy person, but, like, a super powerful person who thinks they're still in the right, you know? Like, he's gonna... Exactly. Ooh, man, he now he really thinks he's he Captain America. He doesn't know that he's... He doesn't know that he's probably working for Hydra. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, real Captain America didn't know either, so I, I'll give it to him. I'm so glad he didn't die because I thought that the car was gonna fall and crush him. This one was gonna. Yeah, I thought it was gonna there. be something like that. He was gonna like sacrifice himself to like make up for the lies he told about Battlestar and stuff. But no, he's just he's got a sleek new suit. He's got a gun again. I don't think he has a shield, but they'll probably fix that. Bucky talks to his boy mm-hmm. about murdering mm-hmm. his son, which is pretty hard. That's why I really did think they were gonna put White Wolf at the end up there instead of Winter Soldier because he really did like the work that Sam was talking about in the last episode about bringing himself out of that needing to avenge what he did instead of just like taking responsibility for what he did. I, I kind of wish that scene were a little longer. I, w- I almost wonder if they shot it longer and they just edited it down to be what it was. Yeah, maybe. Because I would have also, I, I don't know, maybe. I would like to have heard more about their relationship or like what that did to them because he passes in front of the sushi bar again and sees the you know, the girl he went on a date with, like, talking to him, and how that could have maybe come together more at the end, but... I don't know. You can't really be bros again after that. I really like the ending, where Sam and Bucky are hanging out down with at the boat. I I am almost sad that there wasn't a little uh, wink-wink moment between Bucky and Sam's sister, just to... Just to fuel the fanfic going forward. Well, you do you do see him flirting where he's just like in his hero pose while the kids all hang off his arms just talking casually. That is true. This series is remarkably human and compassionate to all of its characters. They're just people. Yeah. (laughs) Like, they're just people doing the best they can. Like, a a lot like uh, the scene a few episodes ago where Bucky stays the night on the couch at... Uh, Sam's family home seeing that like montage at the end of him like truly like laughing and smiling and like being part of a community of people who appreciate him for like who he is it it tugs on those heartstrings considering like all of the stuff we've seen that character have to go through and like even at the start of the show how guarded and jaded and cynical he was to everything and like you said it's very human and honest to see that kind of wrap up where you know he feels something other than just dread even in the public eye because he does save those uh hostages from the fire oh yeah on that truck and they thank him as a hero and for someone who's you know 
seen himself as the Winter Soldier for so long. It's got to be. I think that's a really good step forward for him. Like, oh, he's like he's a hero. They don't associate the Winter Soldier and him like the murderous psychopath. I'm fully satisfied with this series, and you know, if Loki comes out swinging, it's gonna be tray for tray, and I will be very happy with Marvel's offering so far. It's very different than WandaVision, but I think I'm loving this. These two initial bouts of Marvel television that we've gotten, I think that it's such an awesome frontier that we're on with this kind of content, and I'm I'm ready for more. All right, let's move on to Save the Rec Center. Now it's time to Save the Rec Center, where we give you our weekly recommendations. You know what? Let me go first, just so I don't... Uh... I don't get burned here. I think maybe one or two of us might have a similar <clears throat> rec center. Last week, two weeks ago, I don't know when it actually came out, but I recently binged book four of Infinity Train. And I gotta say, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really didn't, I didn't do much research about the actual storyline about what I was getting into. I just knew that it was about the two friends and there was a music angle and it was... Uh, a period piece season where they're in the 80s but so what what you're saying is you didn't know a lot about the about the folklore of, of this season you know i, <laughs> <laughs> I, pre- I appreciate that ever more garrett and i'm gonna be honest with you i i I'll uh, always appreciate no. you for, for bringing us back on this, track here right this at the end. podcast is over <laughs> wow i i'm very surprised that i got this far without remembering but there we go book four infinity train it's kick-ass it's very heartfelt it's everything you want in infinity train there's a really cute little what i recognized as a little tuba easter egg i think i thought it was thoroughly enjoyable and the real heartbreaker is that this season i believe actually set up some stuff for what would have been the fifth book about amelia it would have been a whole amelia season but you know, hey, maybe we'll see. It, it might come back again. Hashtag save the infinity train. But if you haven't seen it yet, the whole season watches in like a second if you're just watching them back to back. So either of you boys, definitely jump on it. Oh, man, love it. Uh, season five was supposed to happen concurrently with season four. Oh, that makes oh that makes a lot more so sense. You can see oh, boy. You know, her rise through the ranks and stuff. And why those uh, there are certain bits in season four that don't they'll have they'd have more context if they had season five like you were saying and now a lot of those moments are coming to my mind thank you for bringing that up ricardo good stuff either you boys who's next on the rec center this is actually kind of out of left field but i've been thinking a lot about my boy anthony mackie since we've been recapping falcon and winter soldier and the first time i ever remember seeing him and i remember being taken with him right away is in the Matt Damon, Emily Blunt film, The Adjustment Bureau, based on the Philip K. Dick story. Really? It's from 2011, and it's pretty good. It's it's like a cute little sci-fi adventure movie, not nearly as serious or mortifying <laughs> as the Philip K. Dick work usually is. It's just like a fun little adventure and Anthony Mackie absolutely kills it, and he's got, like, from the first second he's on screen, just movie star charisma, and I remember my parents and me leaving that theater and being like, man, that guy's gonna be a movie star, right? 
here he is. So, I mean, I think that's a really good movie. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I highly recommend checking it out. Hell yeah. Anthony Mackie is, is a talent in or out of the MCU, so I can only imagine that I can fully trust that endorsement. Ricardo, round us out, buddy. What do you got? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw in li- literature. It's a book. It's a, it's a comic book, but still. <laughs> what is it? Which one? It's a Godzilla, the Half Century War by James Stokey. I think that's how you say it. It's S T O K O E. This is a, a really good, just solid, kind of independent graphic novel. You don't really have to know anything going into it. Just if you get what Godzilla is, you can jump right into this. It's kind of like a Moby Dick story. It starts in like the 1950s, like when the first Godzilla movie came out. And it bounces one guy who just becomes obsessed with Godzilla and like monster hunting. He's like, I need to destroy <laughs> all monsters. He joins up with this crew. He's like, hey, you got a good bloodlust for monsters. You should come join our organization. And then we follow this guy as he goes through different missions in different points of his life over, you know, I think it ends in like the 80s. The artwork is phenomenal, done by the same writer. It's a solid Godzilla story if you you know if you want to check that out. Yeah, that that actually sounds awesome. I, I love the idea of using Godzilla and Moby Dick, two insanely metaphor heavy stories and kind of merging those ideas into one. Like that's that's actually really, really interesting. But I guess that wraps us up this week. If you want to hit us up on social media, that's gonna be PCR underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can send us an email at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. Sorry, you can hear me thinking about what these actually are. <laughs> uh, Keep going. I want to see if you get it all, Shane. You can find us at our YouTube channel if you look up Pop Culture Reference on YouTube. And, oh, is there another one? Is there a... <laughs> You, you gotta tell them to like, like us, on, us Facebook. on Facebook. Find us there. All social medias. Next week is something. Clone Wars 2003. Yes. The, the short That's series. That's gonna be a blast. I can't That's wait. That's right, boy. The original Gendy Tartakovsky shorts. Hell yeah. Alright. Well, until then, adios amigos. Adios.